When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Geekscapist, Jonathan the Podfather here. And when I first started Geekscape back in 2006, it was just a podcast, but then it grew into a podcast network and a community. And the whole plan was to turn it into a production company so we could make cool films and TV ideas and all sorts of stuff for you guys. We'll always be doing the podcast, but right now I wanna let you guys know that we're running a Seed and Spark campaign for one of our first original productions. And this is a co-production with Dweeb Darlings and Fonco Studios called Stocking LeVar. It's a continuation of the web series Stocking LeVar. If you go online, go to YouTube or dweebdarlings.com and look for Stocking LeVar and you guys will find a pretty fun two seasons of this show. We're going to make a short film out of it, but we're going to need your help. So go to seedandspark.com, search Stocking LeVar, as in LeVar Burton, and you'll find our project. Listen, if you can't donate, it's okay. Just follow and share. That'll help us out a whole lot. And then if you can donate, as some of your fellow Geekscapists have, we'd appreciate that too. The campaign's going to be running for a while, so I really, really appreciate you guys checking it out, and enjoy the rest of this show. Geekscape is welcome to a brand new Geekscape episode. Um, I'm recording this with a cold, so if this is your first Geekscape, I'm sorry, I don't usually sound like this. Uh, I'm Jonathan London, and each week I like to sit down with actors, directors, video game people, comic book artists, comic book writers, uh, filmmakers. I like to sit down with all of the storytellers and talk about storytelling, and this episode is no different. I sat down with actor Udo Kier, who you may recognize from movies like Blade and from Armageddon, but he's also in independent stuff, uh, like art house stuff, like a couple of Gus Van Sant movies. We talk about working with Vim Vendors and Lars Van Trier, um, but he's been around a while, and it was awesome sitting down with him, even though I had a cold, and I suggest that um, you'll hear me cough a little bit in this episode. I'm so sorry I'm getting over this cold. I'm not sick anymore. I'm just in the end of it where it's like, your throat is all rasped because it's been ravaged for a week and you're like, okay, I would like to have my voice back so I can do my podcast. Is that too much to ask? Um, and about midway through the episode, uh, as you'll hear, midway through the conversation with Udo, he started coughing and I was like, uh-oh. And maybe it's one of those things where like, if somebody near you sneezes, everybody starts sneezing and it's like this semantic, like this uh, psychosomatic um, thing that gets passed around. Like, uh, but I don't know. Um, I really hope he didn't start coughing because I made him start coughing. Um, but here's the episode. Uh, we talk about his brand new movie uh, that my brother and I watched last night. It's called Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich. And um, you know what? For the review, I'm just going to wait until the horror movie night guys tell you about it. Um, but for now, here is Udo. Thank you so much for supporting Geekscape. Hey Geekscapists, I'm here with a brand new episode and I'm in the offices of KWPR. Um, they're the ones who have just brought us that episode with the Summer of 84 directors, RKSS, and I'm sitting here with another horrific movie. I watched it over the weekend. It's called Puppet Master of the Last Reich. And one of the stars of the movie is sitting across from me right now, Mr. Udo Kier, who you guys may, I'm guessing that you may recognize him from movies like Armageddon. Or you geeks who love the comic book movies remember him from the first Steve Norrington Blade movie, which you were in. And yeah, then, uh, but also hello Ace Ventura too. Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, but also the game, 
Call of Duty, which mm -hmm. came out last year. I played for one year the villain in uh, this game. It was my first time. I did Red Alert mm -hmm. many years ago, and that was the second game I ever did. And people, if they like horror movies, I was Andy Warhol's Dracula and Andy Warhol's Frankenstein in 1973. And that's how I started actually being in horror movies. And then came, of course, Blade with Steve Norrington, the number one. And uh, so I, I, like this, I like this kind of horror films. I'm not only doing horror films. I also work with great directors like Wim Wenders, Werner Herzog, Gus von Sand, or he who Lars von Trier. Gus von Sand discovered me for America. I was in Berlin at the festival and there was a young director and he came to me and said my name is Gus von Sand. I have a film here in uh, at the festival, which I made for twenty thousand dollars. Which called one was that? Malanoche. That was the one you shot here in LA about like the bad night and the, the person who falls in love with the group. Like the these I don't remember the film. Oh, so that's so twenty five years seen ago. It. I think Criterion just put it back out. Yeah. Yeah. And then he said, I like your work and I'm doing a film in America now, commercial, more commercial than my first film called My Own Private Idaho with Keanu Reeves and River Phoenix. And I thought, yes, and I didn't believe it, but then there were no cell phone, no internet, there were nothing, so we started writing letters to each other. And he got me the work permit, member of the union, and I came here to work with um, the great River Phoenix, what a wonderful actor. And it's very strange now. The last film I did was with Joaquin, mm -hmm. who's the brother, who came and visited us when he was 16. He visited his brother when we were doing my own private Idaho. And with Keanu did another film, Johnny Mnemonic, where I play his boss, with, uh, directed by Robert Longo. And uh, so that's how I came to America. I came here and I stayed with a girlfriend, Anna, and I had already packed my suitcase to go back to Europe after the premiere of the film on Private Idaho. Everybody liked it because it was something new. Yeah. And then uh, Anna said, why don't you stay here and try to work in America? I said, no. Of course, as the evening continued after a few glasses of wine, I said, Actually, not a bad idea. So I got myself a little apartment, bought myself a used uh, German car, and that's 25 years ago. And now no, no, I'm still here. here. Hmm? And, um, well, you just threw so much at me. <laughs> well, it's... <laughs> There's uh, a lot to talk about. Too much. You have no time to talk no, about yeah, well, all that. I think, um, well, what's interesting is that you do have these, like, you do do those films with, like, Lars Van Trier and Gus Van Sant, and you worked, um, who did you work with recently? You worked with Alexander Payne? Yeah. You did Downsizing? Downsizing, And yes. so he's kind of in that, he's done some Hollywood type stuff, like he's done the George Clooney movie. I know. And we, I mean, he's, they're all really talented directors, but then you have like this other side of you that just like loves this horror movie villain side. Yeah. And it's like one for, like where do you balance the two types of films? Because they're all, they seem pretty different. Does that make sense? Yeah, are they, of course are they it not, makes are they sense. Not, are they not different to you? Of course they're different. There is, uh, if I do a horror film, I want to have fun. And in horror film, the fantasy has no limit. So if I have a director like, uh, uh, wonderful like Steve Norton in Blade, and I have to say text like, uh, I live like this for thousands of years. Who are you? You're not even a pure blood. And this is kind of fun to do because the, the, there is no vampires. Unless you call your lawyer and your <laughs> people around you vampires. Right. Uh, but uh, so there is, when I did Andy Warhol, it's the same way. I used to, I'm a very lucky man. 
I never call people. I never ask the director in my life, I would like to work with you. They yeah. ask me. But even if you're, but you wouldn't call those roles silly though, would you? Like, no, of like, course not. Like, like, how do you find that truth in that, like a role like that, where it's like, I've been alive for a thousand years. Yeah, I, I, if you play a vampire, as I said, there is no limit of the personality because there is only the history of vampires like Bella Lugosi and Vincent Price, sure. all these people who played vampire and there is the history of a vampire who at midnight uh, opens the coffin mm. and comes a hand out and he comes out and he bites people because not for the reason he likes to hurt people, he need to, you like see? I, my line in Dracula is I say, uh, I need the blood of a virgin, the blood of these whores are killing me. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you still have to find the Udo Kier in there. Does that make sense? Like even though you're, even though you're playing in this sort of make-believe creature, where do you find this basis, like Udo Kier, where you're playing things, like where do you find the source inside of yourself to play a role like that? Because I, I guess in something like Saving Private Idaho, or My Own Private Idaho, the one where you just did with He Won't Go Far on Foot, that you just did for yeah. Gus Van Sant. Like, the boy, he, like, he won't get far on foot. He won't get, it feels like maybe you're, you can play those a little bit closer, or you can find it, it's a little more direct in where you pull the beats out for yourself as an actor. Well, I like, I like to portray uh, this kind of people in my private life. I'm totally the opposite. I'm a gardener, I paint my places, I plant trees, I give trees water, which means giving them life. And when I go out to do a, a horror role, I have fun with it. And the thing is, it started, it started with I met uh, somebody in an airplane sitting next to me and we start talking and he said, what do you do? Like Americans always ask you, what yeah. do you do? What do you do? And I said, I'm an actor and I showed him right away. I was at the beginning of my career in 1972. I showed him a photograph and he said, interesting, give me your number. And I said, who are you? He said, my name is Paul Morrissey. I work for Andy Warhol. I'm the director. And <coughs> couple of, I would have never thought that I would play a vampire. And then a couple of months later, I got a call. Hey, it's Paul from New York. Paul remember me? Yeah. I said, yeah. He said, I'm doing a film in Rome in Shinoshita, the famous studio it's where Fellini shoots. There's an entire lake in Shinoshita. I know. Like it's, I know. I lived in Rome. Yeah, I, well, <laughs> I, for the Geekscapists who are listening, I think the most recent example that will give you the scope is that they built the entire southern battery of New York for Gangs of New York, yeah. and that was real water that you saw there. Yeah, that thing, you know. because it's a big, big, as you said, a big property. And he said, well, I'm doing a film for Carlo Ponti, the husband of Sophia Loren, producer, Frankenstein in 3D. And I said, great. He said, I have a little role for you. And I said, what do I play? He said Frankenstein. What? So that was... The monster or the... No, or, or the, or doctor, Frank, the doctor, Dr. Yeah. Frankenstein. So I started playing the doctor, and that was supposed to be two production, one after the other, back to each other. And then Dracula was somebody else. He had a contract to do Dracula right after that, Frankenstein. And I went to the canteen, beautiful Fellini was shooting, all these people three meters high and people with big breasts and very strange people, Fellini. Yeah, what movie was that? I think it was Roma. Yeah. And then uh, I was sitting in a cantina thinking about Andy Warhol said, everybody is famous for 15 minutes. And I said, okay, my 15 minutes are done. Tomorrow it's finished. And Paul Morrissey came there and said to me, well, I guess we have a German Dracula. And I said, who? And he said, you. But you have to lose 10 pounds in one week. Wait. Mm. And I didn't eat anymore. Only salad and water 
So that's why when the film started, I had to sit in a wheelchair. I could not walk. So the vampire <coughs> in a wheelchair. So it's not only Robert De Niro prepares himself right. for a movie, also me. And so then I made these two films. <coughs> Sorry about that. The two horror movies. Mm -hmm. And I moved with these movies uh, to the glamour magazines. So from regular paper, I was all of a sudden in Vogue, in Harper's Bazaar, and all because the, Warhol. the Vamp Warhol and the whole images. And the, before <coughs> these two movies, I would have never thought that I would play a vampire. But what, let's say the, the Dracula call doesn't come. Let's say he doesn't walk into that bar. What were you going to do thinking that those 15 minutes were over? I would go back to uh, Germany, but... <coughs> I was living in Rome that time for a period, but I had also in Germany, I had Fassbinder, I had, uh, he was one of my best friends, we met both when we were 15 and 16. Wow. And so I worked with him and then we were not allowed to work with other people, he was, I mean, other German directors. And after I worked with uh, Werner uh, Herzog and Wim Wenders, I would have just go, go the, the way I'm supposed to go. Just uh, have an agent and wait for people want to work with me. And uh, then now I'm 25 years in America and I would not go back <laughs> because it's good for the history books. What do you take from somebody like Warner Herzog? Because he's got so many famous stories of being on set and just determined to get the shots. What do you, I mean, was it intimidating? Were you friends? Was, like, what do you take from no, we a know, director yeah. like that? Germany is, a, compared to America, a mm -hmm. small country. And we knew each other, of course, from, from the film circle. And uh, I did with him, uh, My Son, My Son, What Have You Done? with Michael Shannon, great actor. Mm -hmm. I like his work. And Willem Dafoe, a friend of mine. And uh, so that, uh, that was uh, when he told me, sent me the script. I liked it, playing a totally different role, playing an uh, acting teacher. And so I know him. And Wim Wenders, I did End of Violence with Bill Pullman. Mm -hmm. Also, I knew him. I knew them, and uh, they wanted to work with me. And uh, I did two films with Wim. I did another film with Tim Ross, with Herzog. And uh, there is, as I told you before, I have never asked a director. Even not when I had dinner with David Lynch. You didn't say anything. No. <laughs> I, as far as I go is, I like your movies. Mm. Is there something different about somebody like Herzog or Vendors when you work with them where you feel like they're elevated from some of the other directors that you might work with? Because when I, when I watch something like Paris, Texas, there's clearly something else going on with Vim Vendors. Like there's like he he just has a, he sees things that I don't that other people just don't see, you know. And the way that they pace their films, they seem meticulous. Yeah. And is that something that is a conversation, or is it something that when you show up on set? You match it. How do you set the tone for that kind of collaboration with a director like that? Now, first of all, what is important, all these directors you mentioned, Lars von Trier, Wim Wenders, Herzog, Fassbinder, they don't have to stress to make money for with the movie. Mm -hmm. They do what they feel like, and if the movie doesn't work, it doesn't matter. Because it's financed basically in Europe, which America unfortunately doesn't have by the government, by the television, by funds in, you know, in There's different... A, yeah, it's an art fund. Yeah, yeah. well, it's not an art fund, but it's, it's, it's just like it's supporting, almost, yeah. supporting interesting stories. So, first of all, talent is something you cannot learn. Either you have talent or you learn a technique, mm. but you, talent... I was a, I became a professor teaching theory of acting in Brunswick in Germany before I came to America. And that's what I always said. Talent is, to my students, talent is something you cannot learn. You have it, you don't have it. And if I see a film of somebody five minutes, I can see if this person is talented or not, because they see beyond. 
there's something, wow, I didn't think about that, that's great. So it's not like a commercial film, you have to follow rules. Sure. If you do a commercial films, uh, uh, and like Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, mm. there is not so much room to invent. They take you because we, uh, they like your physics and they like your accent and you play a billionaire uh, who owns the Miami Dolphins. You can't do that. Right. But it is, you cannot all of a sudden quote Faust or something. <laughs> right. They would say, wow, he's crazy. No, 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 not in our film. There's, there's no experimentation. So there's almost a sense of experimentation on the performance side too. Yeah, with those of guys. course. And the best I mean, ideas I just work. I talk to directors and if I have an idea, because I'm not a puppet, I'm right. a puppet master. But You're a puppet, puppet master, puppet. but not a puppet, but right. Yeah, puppet. I've seen you as a puppet master, very true. So, so I, if I have an idea, because I believe in movies in the little things. I give you an example. The specifics, yes. In every yes. film, yes. Uh, artistic film, or even in horror films, they offered me uh, Theater Bizarre, and I sat with seven directors, and I play a puppet myself, I be a puppet, and I said to the director, I only accept if I can kill a fly like nobody ever has killed a fly. It's that opening scene of and they Once said, Upon a Time in the West with the gun, uh, where we trust yeah, the fly. Yeah. And, yeah. and he said, how are you going to do that? How can you catch a fly? I said, look, I have it already. Nobody can see on screen a fly. So, and then I said, we put some in my other hand, we put some glue, and we put a live fly in it with the wings. And then I put this hand up to my eye uh, level, mm -hmm. and I go with my left hand thumb and just kill it. They say, Ugh! I said, you see, that is, everybody has killed a fly or yeah. tried because it gets on the nerve. And now you say, Ugh! because I, see, film, because uh, you hit something new. No, but it's no, but little, little things. But for, I'll give you an example. When I made another example, when I made the film with Lars von Trier, uh, Melancholia, mm -hmm. with Kirsten Dunst, great actors, all John Hurt, Charlotte Rampling, Kiefer Sutherland, Stellan Skarsgård, and I played a wedding planner. And all of a sudden, Lars said in front of all these people, Udo, I want that you cross the room, but you don't want to see Kirsten, what would you do? And I said, well, give me a few seconds, and I'm left-handed. So I said I would put my hand in front of my face and walk. He said, do that. Variety wrote about that movement. When I was in Cannes for the opening, two couples came to me and said, thank you, Mr. Kier. My wife and I went all night yesterday to the house holding our hand in front of the face. So it's always the little thing. It's not the big speeches. No, yeah, yes. No, yeah. I, I feel like that was the great thing about a movie like Boyhood. Did you see Boyhood, the one that Richard Linklater did? Who? You guys are making a movie similar to it. You guys are doing um, Division, or Dimension. Dimension oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you guys are shooting every year for 30 years. Richard Linklater did that for, was it 12 years? Yeah, but last one we started it. Right. And it feels like the story you get out of there isn't a story that's built on plot. It's a story built on those small specifics yes. because that's what life is. We don't we, we have very rare rarely do we get those big moments yeah. where you get the speeches or the big thing. Life is these little movements where you you let people know that you're on the outs with them with a mannerism like that. Yeah. Or you let people know that you um, are impatient with them with the, the tone. It's it's small course corrections. And those are the specifics you, that give you more honesty, I think. Maybe well, the, the, you mentioned dimension, and dimension was uh, we shot the first three years, we were not allowed to talk about it. The first three years? Yeah, because yeah. nobody could copy us after that because they couldn't get 30 years. And the thing was that uh, the interesting thing why I like to do it not only I'm a very good friend of Lars, and after the first film we did, Medea, where I had the leading part, uh, a script by Carl Theodor Dreyer, 
I became the godfather of his first child. So I'm part of the family. In Geek's Gabus, the movie I'm talking about has not come out yet. It's a movie that Which they one? Dimension. It, no, it will never come it, out. It, it's done. Yeah, they, they, you shot it over the course of 30 years. No, we did not. How, how we shot about 10 years, 10 years, and then he got bored with it. Okay, he stopped. got bored. But for us... Uh, I thought the plan was to shoot it for 30 years, release yeah. it in like 2024. Yeah, that was correct. That's supposed yeah. to be the premiere, but he did not like to continue. And... For us, for me, I cannot talk for other actors, for me it was interesting to get in one evening 30 years older without makeup. Mm -hmm. So you open a door, you step into a room and you leave and you open another door and you're already one year older. So you get gray and older and that was for me uh, the intense moment I wanted to do because there was, for example, in the movie, I think I haven't seen it. It came out now the years we shot. I know it's but an, it, but it's not it's an unfinished movie. building no. for me, so why should I climb on that building? Right. And, but for me, it was interesting. There was a yard, courtyard, with columns, 30 columns or 31. And we walked every year from one, the same costume, from one column to the other. So it would have been like a Maybridge, wow. a Maybridge, uh, Maybridge photograph. Right. Like going older, 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 older. And at the end, after 30 years, you just look at the camera maybe and say, hello. Yeah. And so that was the interesting So over the course part. of 30 years, you're passing these columns and you're just aging 30 years. Yeah. Wow. But um, you see, for, for Lars von Trier, I'm... Again, I said it already to you before, I'm a, a lucky man. They all came to me, e even Alexander Payne. I have not go to casting and uh, back for a role. I, uh, I just, Alexander Payne came with his wife to Palm Springs to have lunch with me and uh, we talked about, not about movies. <laughs> right. And then uh, a week later, I had the contract. He wanted me to be with Christoph Waltz, which is a wonderful actor. Mm -hmm. And Christoph, we are partners in the film, and I'm the captain of the boat. And we did this film because I was intrigued to, uh, uh, when I read the story, of course I read the story before I say yes. And for downsizing the man. And then when I had to be six inches tall, I liked that. So, uh, so you see, that's like, there are directors. Sometimes I see films like, when I see a film like Mulholland Drive, David Lynch, and then I see Mr. Blake uh, having little lipstick and a telephone and he calls Bill Pullman and says, I'm at your house already. <laughs> oh my God, I would have loved to play that. So the, to do something as an actor, there's two kind of things. There is uh, the actors on stage, and it's a totally different world. I worked with actors who came from the stage, and they were so overacting in films. They project a lot, yeah. And yeah. I know people from films, they don't do enough for stage because mm. they think their name is enough. But so that that is the difference. I played in the theater, uh, not many times, but I did in German, of course. Uh, and I, you know, but I like in movies what I like something interesting for me. It's not uh, how much money I make. Of course, I make money, but. It's interesting, which is also a provocation to myself of thinking, how do I'm going to do that? Mm. How I'm going to uh, play the puppet master, there have been 10. And I only know the first one. And I like I liked when the puppet master paint the puppet, the first puppet master. Yeah, I think that's the only one I've seen too. And <laughs> the, in the, one the, yeah. the one says, I take care of you. And I said, whoo, that's good. And then when uh, my new friend, Greg Zahler, 
who I made already three movies with. I will make the next one too. I don't tell you what it is, but uh, because I have not a contract and it's, sure. it's no good luck to talk about something. No. Um, so, and I like him. And when I did Cell Block Ninety Nine, he gave me a text. I said I cannot speak that text. Yeah, he directed the Vince Vaughn movie. So, yeah, uh, I said it's so yeah. evil. I go to jail to Vince and I tell him what we, my boss is going to do to his pregnant wife to the fetus if he doesn't kill somebody. <coughs> and mm -hmm. I said, I said I have never in any movie have such a text. Uh, and I said, okay. So we talked and it became, and it, I got what I wanted when the film showed at the Toronto Film mm -hmm. Festival. That's premiered, yeah. The people went like, <coughs> when I can't save my line, they went like, ah, ah, ah. And then when I got shot at the end, they all went, yeah. So if you, that's what I got, what I wanted. So I got them scared, and when they kill me, they're all happy. You're the puppet master that, that way. The, the evil is disappearing. And so when uh, uh, Greg, called me and said, uh, I wrote the puppet master, I want that you be the puppet master. I said, okay. So then I was thinking about what you said, the first one, I went painting the white <coughs> face and he says, touch the head, like shaking mm. his head with the hand and said, I take care of you. I said, okay, I, I be the puppet master. I mean, I write the script. <coughs> right. I knew I wouldn't have worked for many days, but I'm the creator of these <coughs> evil puppets. They're very evil. It's a really interesting movie because uh, there's a couple of people who seem cast out of type, like um, Thomas Lennon is a comedian. We think of him, like, he's on he sitcoms, and he's an improv guy. And I, when I saw that he was in the movie, I thought he was only gonna do a cameo or so. He's the lead. He's the lead, and very good. Mm -hmm. we, we met. We met in uh, New Orleans mm -hmm. at the festival. I was I made a film just now. Let's talk what's coming out. Sure. I made a film with uh, <coughs> Kleber Mendonca, uh, with uh, Sonia Braga, mm -hmm. in the famous legend from Brazil. I made this movie. I made a movie with, uh, which is not out yet. Both are not out. I made one movie with Harvey Cattell and Stellan Skarsgård called The Painted Bird. That's gonna be intense. One Those year shooting. Wow. Yeah, but we don't work together. Because yeah. of the, so you shot that over the course of a year. Yeah, no, I tell you. I tell you the Sounds story experimental. is, no, the story is about a young boy, it's a famous book sure. by uh, Kozinski, written 65 in New York, and it's about a young boy who's been pushed away from the concentration camp by his parents to survive. And the young boy is 10, and he goes from place to place to work, <laughs> to eat, and sleep. And so, Harvey Cartel is a priest. I'm a miller. So all the actors don't work together. The people that he we all on work the with the boy. Yeah. On his journey, and that's I'm looking forward to see that movie. And um, uh, what else? What that is that movie? Then I have, of course, Iron Sky number two, number three. <laughs> Iron Sky is. How's that? Because. That's a movie that's shot almost entirely on a green screen. Yeah, totally, and, almost. And is Not that almost totally? So it it seems to me, just from talking to you, Udo, that you're somebody who, as much as the part needs to be good, the experiment, the you take a lot of pleasure out of the experimentation and the challenge of some of these situations. So I'm guessing Iron Sky, the challenge is shooting almost like a Jurassic Park movie where there's a bunch of tennis balls everywhere. Yeah, you had the storyboard. We shot it the first one in Australia. It's all green screen. It's, and then I said, and then the director said, and now there's the helicopter coming. I said, where? I said, please, technician, please make me a red point there so I can concentrate to see where the helicopter is. So then 
he called and said, I'm doing Iron Sky number two in Belgium, again, green mm -hmm. screen. I said, yeah. so I had already experience. I mean, it's not totally green screen. I mean, sure. there is. Costumes and, and actors. And, and I like the second one because uh, they wanted me to play the same character. And then they had Adolf Hitler in the movie. And I said, why? As a comedy. Yeah. And I said, why don't I play also out of Hitler? And I want the dog. It's like Strange Love. You're like no. Dr. Strange uh, yeah. Love. I said I, want, <laughs> I said, I want this German Shepherd. And they said, oh, it's difficult. I said, get a stuffed one with wheels. And I pull him behind me. And I say, Blondie, come. And I take the puppet, uh, the dog. The, and I did uh, this film. And I have a scene with myself. I'm and I'm uh, on the moon, and then comes Adolf Hitler riding on a dinosaurs, and he comes in and says, "Heil, your motherfuckers!" I mean in German, motherfuckers. And I talk to myself. So that I want to have fun. Also, it's not only the experience, and it's not only the fun. I mean, that right. would be great. Just but it's to like have a puzzle, fun. like you like it's puzzles. Like all together, because, yeah. and then you you do you be out of Hitler and the dinosaurs, and then you be <laughs> in a amazing two times Oscar winning uh, director writer Alexander Payne. Yeah. So that's totally then in Alexander Payne's film. I don't act. You right. see, I'm myself. You, do you feel like that when you do something for like Gus Van Sant that you are playing it closer to the chest? Yeah, closer of to your course. Own experiences. Of course, when Gus. Uh, asked me to be in the, the meeting, the alcohol meeting. Yeah, that's, with the, that's the new movie. Yeah, and I said, uh, yes. And in the first film, I was Hans. Mm -hmm. And then when we made, uh, which is 25 years ago, I think. Can you believe it? Something. And then when we made the new one, and I had a different name, I said, why don't I, my name is Hans. It's both films take place in Portland. So Hans uh, still lives there. He became an alcoholic and uh, continue the character from which, the film. Which is really interesting because... Um, you saw the new film. Yeah, well, the, well it takes place... Well, the thing is, Joaquin Phoenix is playing a real guy. A guy who really lived yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In, in Portland that Gus Van Sant grew up with. Yeah. He, he was like this guy who was like a local celebrity. He was, yeah. And alcoholism just took his life apart. And for you to come into like a non-fiction setting that yeah. happened, and then you added a fiction character into it, <laughs> it starts to blur the lines a little bit. But I think that's what's so cool about what we do. Yeah, is that the the blurring of lines? Yes, is I mean that might be what excites you about it. Is can we mess with this the rules a little bit? Because usually things are based on a true story. Yeah. But how many times in a film are there? Well, not uh, playing an alcoholic right. with other actors that's not difficult. You just uh, suffer inside that you're not drinking anymore, but you're also at the same time very proud of yourself that you are. But you need support from other people. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is the uh, the whole idea. And uh, Gus is a amazing director. And have you ever had a director say no? What? Well, it sounds like... <laughs> I what? You, I thought you got mad at me. <laughs> well, you, it sounds like you, you're always up for throwing out suggestions and doing things that might excite you and, and, and help with the specificity of the character. Have you ever had a director just say, no, or I said we'll no. do it your yeah. way? No. Have, has the director ever said no to you? I, uh, no. Otherwise, why should the director say no to me? Then he doesn't have to cast me. Right, right. Once I'm there, of course, no. But I said no because when I get a script, I read my role first. Sure. Only my role. You, I don't know what's happening. I know this. I know around what's going to what it's all about, but not. And then I read my my role. And then I read my role with the whole script. Yes. And if I decide that the film can exist very well without me, why should I be in it? Right. So that's that's when I say no. I don't say no. Uh, you know, as I said before, if I see a film, I can decide very quick if it's 
talented, if it's interesting for me, I can see that right away. So, uh, but the director said to, to me, you mean the director said to me, no, when I come up with an idea? Yeah. Yes. They said no, but then we find a solution a somewhere, ground. a combination yeah. of this, because... Discarding ideas on a film set is not a good idea. What? I don't think it's a good idea to, to just throw away ideas on a film set. No. I think, it, I think I it's mean, about I know, generating the ideas. I know actors, uh, without mentioning any names, sure. they have too many ideas. But all the ideas are good for them. Oh, and right. I, I'm not like that. Right. If I, I, you see, I, it's the same with a lot of text. I'm doing now two movies. In, uh, I have in Venice two movies now, next, in two weeks. Here's, it's a film festival? Yeah. Wow, the congratulations. Mount, the Mountain is uh -huh. in competition with Jeff Goldblum and Ty Sheridan, who plays my son in mm. this film. And then uh, uh, the film, uh, Greg, film uh, cr across concrete with Mel Gibson. So, and then uh, I go to Vienna on the 18th. I'll be honored for one week at the Cinematheque showing my movies and I have a master class. And then I go to Croatia to do a film with Geraldine Chaplin. We just did a film together in Santo Domingo, Geraldine and myself. And then I go from there to Holland and Luxembourg to do another film. And then it's Christmas. Well, how did you get into all this? Because, you know, the, the, the thing that I heard, read about you was that you were born in Cologne. We, yeah. ha we, have, a, we have a couple of listeners in Cologne. Um, during World War II, the hospital that you were in was yeah. bombed. Yeah. And you were buried, in, you and your mother were buried in rubble? The thing was, I tell you the story. The story was, uh, my mother went to the hospital, and then of course I was born, and then the nurse was collecting all the newborn babies to wash them and all put them. So, and my mother, when she came to my mother, <coughs> my mother said, "Can I have him a little bit longer?" And the nurse said, "Okay." And then my mother told me when I was 15 or 16, she told me that they came, a, they bombed the hospital, and my mother saw the wall coming down, oh and, my the, God. and the nurse jumped over the table to protect all the babies, everybody dead. Then she died. What? She died? No, my mother, no. No, no, the, the no, nurse. Yeah, everybody. The nurse and the babies died. All that, because the wall, the whole wall came down. And my mother was lucky that her bed was in a corner. We were stronger. So, so it was stronger where her bed was. And sometimes, look, my hair coming, standing up now. Sometimes I have the vision because my mother told me in the darkness, she held me in, uh, to her chest. And with the other hand, she made a hole in the wall. And sometimes I have the vision seeing rubble and a white hand is waving. So everyone else yeah. in that room. Only, only her and me. Only her and me, and you cannot be born more dramatic than that. And I don't know who freed me, the Americans <laughs> or the British, so I like them both. <laughs> and wow. Not the Germans, of course. And then, uh, then uh, you know, I grew up in a horrible time in Germany because there was nothing. But yeah. it's, with Cologne Easter, it was west of the wall. West, it was west. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, you, west. so you were allowed to go to England and learn English. Oh yeah, of course. The, yeah. Oh yeah, I was, Cologne is. I'm two hours away from Brussels. Mm. I'm four hours away from London. I Perfect. could take a train to Belgium to the coast, take a ferry boat, and I'm four hours from Paris. So it's and Belgium, Luxembourg, everything is close. Yeah. It's on the other end. Berlin is there and, and there. Sure. So, yeah. And then I um, didn't like to grow up there. And. You didn't like growing up in even Cologne? No. The time why? Because, because nobody really told us in school what had happened. They didn't tell us about Adolf Hitler in school to children. You don't say that. You have to find out yourself. 
So I found we get the other side of it. Like we learn as kids, the world war. But I mean, the heroes. Yeah, the, the heroes get to the, heroes the, the winners. Yes, we did the way we are the winners. The winners get to write the history, right? And and so I guess I'd never talked to anybody who'd grown up in world in post World War II Germany that it was there, horrible. There was, there was collective nothing, shame about everything. There was nothing to eat. I went to school over uh, turned down buildings. I had to jump. Uh, go to school and then uh, uh, we had no money of course to go to high school so uh, I wanted to go to England and when I was 18 I got permission from my mother go to England to learn English because I wanted to speak English uh, uh, the result you hear now who was acting the, <laughs> was acting the idea no never what were you going to go never. to what were you learning English for never just to get I out, want, just to get I'll out of I tell you, if you let me, I tell you. <laughs> I wanted to work for where I was grown up, very nearby. When I went to see my grandmother on a bicycle, there were Bayer, the uh, bear, the inventor of aspirin. Mm, bear, yeah. yeah, big, big company, Alka of the big company, and I wanted to work for them because I was so impressed by this city of neons where workers were working and I wanted to be a correspondent. I wanted to travel. I wanted to leave Germany and the only way I could do that if I would speak English and then work for them and go to Argentina, go to pa And so I went to England and I didn't want to be an actor. Even one, one night I went, I wanted to go once to a nightclub and I went to a nightclub and then the waiter came to me. I have proof of this, what I'm telling you. <laughs> <Okay. coughs> the waiter came and said, Mr. Visconti would like to ask you for, uh, to have a glass of champagne with you and Mr. Noreev. And I had heard Noreev because he was the world's best dancer, just escaped from Russia. So and I said to the waiter, why don't you tell the I didn't know who Wisconsin yeah. was. I said, why don't you tell the gentleman to come himself? Why he's sending you? So Wisconsin came and said, I would like to invite you to have a glass of champagne with my friends. There's a photograph which I have where Noreev is hanging on one side and Wisconsin on the other side, uh, trying to be nice to me. And that was it. And then why did they pick you out? What do you think that was? They didn't. Because I was a very good-looking man. Mm -hmm. Have you ever seen my picture when I was I'm 21? Looking I'm looking at no, you no, now. No, no, I'm 74. I'm looking at you now. It's okay. Anyway, it's like, I oh, was like 21. Yeah. So then uh, young, naive boy with dark hair like you and uh, blue eyes. And of course, they, they, they didn't have invited me to Champagne just because I was sitting there. Yeah, they were picking you up. So, yeah. Not picking me up, but they wanted to be with me. Right. So, and then uh, I w went in London and I went to a coffee bar and a man came to me and said, he's still alive, Mike Sarne, who was a famous singer, became a filmmaker and he said, I'm making a film, we would like that you play the main part. And I said, I don't know how to do that. Yeah, and you, but you never acted before. No. And then... I said yes, because who doesn't like the attention? And I went to the south of France to do the movie. And it was very strange because I had to come out of the water and uh, bathe in costumes. My hair was wet. And, and then I didn't see the camera. They, they were very far away from me. So to be not making me nervous, they shot everything with a long lens. And... I said, and I, all I did is I was looking where the camera is, but I didn't know that I was in CinemaScope, my face on the screen. So when the film came out, the magazines wrote a new face of cinema, the most beautiful man in the world, bomb, 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 bomb. William Morris, contract worldwide, wide away. So I thought, why not? Yeah, it's easy money. Well, not easy money. But I it's when you are born, so uh, I don't want to say the word poor, it's ridiculous sitting here in Beverly Hills and so talking sure. about poor, but being brought up where uh, uh, nothing to eat, only on Sunday a little piece of meat, 
otherwise the whole week soup, bean soup, potato soup, all the soup. Oh, that, well, that's why I'm healthy, because I was a fourth vegetarian. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then I liked, of course, the attention of William Morris, and then I made uh, my first horror film, Mark of the Devil, playing the lead, which is, became a cult film. It's still, you can see it. That's the one that was banned. Hmm? Was that the one that was banned? Was that one banned? Which is the movie that was banned? Was, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it was banned. That one was bad because they were very clever of marketing because you got, you got a vomiting bag with a ticket. <laughs> and the vomiting bag now costs a fortune on, the, on eBay. And they said outside, if you have any heart problem, you cannot watch that movie. We don't take yeah. any. So that was because there was only one scene where the girl get the tongue pulled out. And I'm the witch hunter, the assistant of the witch hunter, <laughs> and I fall in love with the witch, and that's why they kill me. The pu public, the people in the village hang me out a tree and put a kind of a ring around me with long nails. And then the girl, the witch, is running with her big breasts in movements through the village and scream, no! And do, then, do you enjoy the provocateur element of what of you do? Like, like, is that it's attractive to you in a role that people are going to be sitting in the theater, responding loudly? Of course, why yeah. not? And the yeah. people, the people, when I got killed, they were all. I was a good man because I was in love with the witch, mm. which they wanted to burn because she was a witch. Is it important to have an element of sexuality to roles like that? What because, do you mean, well, like working with somebody like Gus Van Sant, and there's always a level of um, like male sexuality um, or homosexuality, or w working with Andy Warhol. There was like, there's a he comes from an element. There's always an element of like the male gaze on a ma on a man and stuff like that. There's always some level of sensuality. Is that something that is like, is that ex something that like the genre explorers that you're drawn to? Does that make sense? Because it's no it seems sexuality. Like, it doesn't matter. Because there's Suspiria too. Se so yeah, Suspiria. Yeah, yeah Suspiria. Yeah. <laughs> Forty years ago, I just got an award <laughs> in Texas. Forty years Suspiria. Um, no, the thing is, to be honest, I uh, and I am honest. I don't care. I mean, you know, there are certain things maybe I wouldn't do in films. There is certain roles I wouldn't play. I have never, I played Adolf Hitler uh, three times uh, in England as a woman, hiding in England as a woman called Mrs. Mittelmeier. Wow. I played Hitler and the dinosaurs, but they were all comedies. I have never played, uh, I did Tarantino's film Grindhouse, I play mm. a Nazi, but all comedies. I have never, they offered me, you see, when you're German and you come to America, Either you play the mad scientist or a Nazi, right? Because of the accent, and I have never played a serious Nazi. But like Christoph Waltz in that movie, uh, Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a pretty serious Nazi. Yeah, but would a role like that would you? Yeah, would but you see, Christoph was treated differently. Christoph is. <clears throat> I'm, uh, we are very similar in a, in a way because uh, there is a way to be nasty. In a, and it's comedic. There is a way you can take a gun and say, I fucking kill you. There's also the way of saying, have a gun on the table and you clean your fingernails and you say, you know, when I'm done, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> then people say, that was horrible. Yeah. So there is a way of approachment. And when, when uh, Gus offered me the film on Private Idaho, and of course I read the script, and seeing that I play Hans, of course, when you, in America, you always, your name is always Hans. In, in Japan, in Japan is Hans Mann. <laughs> and... So when I read the script and this, and I had seen Malanoche, so mm. uh, the the reality on the road that two people uh, live of selling their bodies, and I uh, I said okay, it's, it's not 
it's not I there's as I said there's certain things I wouldn't do I wouldn't you know uh, uh, do something sick sure like having a naked body on a table and take a, a knife and take the head and the I wouldn't right. do that because right. that's sick but to be as a vampire or as Dr. Frankenstein that's normal you know that's and that is the thing I mean I have I, I don't want to say I have no limit because it's not true there is a limit uh, but I don't know the limit mm. so if Each somebody character has a different one uh, yeah there's somebody uh, I read as I told you before I read the script uh, it's very important for me and then of course it's very important who's playing with me if I get a call from Finland uh, saying we're doing a film we want that you play the uh, KGB boss from Russia and uh, there is an American and a Russian spy and I said who are playing the spies and when they say Bill Pullman Irene Jacob I say okay I play yeah. because I know Bill quite well now after that film uh, now I know him quite well and I know he wouldn't accept anything if, if it's not interesting sure. to do it's not always you know you know, sometimes you go wrong, sometimes, but it's not my fault. If I, I'm always, when I make a movie, I always want to do it good <coughs> for the director, for everybody, and for myself, very important. But sometimes it doesn't work. I made films which I thought they would be nominated for the Oscar, and they were not. And I made films which I thought they were horrible and they were nominated for the Oscar <coughs> some you never know right it's like when you do shadow of the vampire with Malkovich and Willem Dafoe was nominated for the Oscar <laughs> and I thought I was jealous because I was not the vampire I was the producer <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I have a copy of that film yeah and then really uh, Willem said to me finally I can kill you I said good go go ahead bite me uh, but uh, it's always, it's always, there is, I, I don't want to pass on a bad message mm. for anybody. That I would never do that. that but that's why I don't uh, play somebody nasty which could be dangerous. But the puppet master who kills people. Well, it's not, he doesn't kill the people, the puppet kills. <laughs> He doesn't. He creates them. But by extension, yeah, he feels no responsibility different. for. That's different. No, that's first of all, the <laughs> puppet master is kind of a, a not reality. So there you have it. When you Frankenstein and cut a head off, it's Frankenstein. If I uh, kill as a vampire. Uh, 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 women and say I need the virgin, the blood of a virgin, the blood of this horse are killing me. That's funny. There's a difference. The puppet, the puppets, well, they're nasty. Mm -hmm. They're nasty, so maybe I'm nasty. I don't know. <laughs> but you said I'm the creator. So, uh, but you think they're just beautiful. You, they're you your know. children. I like the scene with the two girls. Yeah. When I come in and then uh, kiss each other. You're not okay with that. <laughs> That's the best <laughs> response. In Geekscape is you just get to watch the movie to know what we're talking about, but that first scene is uh, like, okay, this is going to get a little kinky, and then your response to it is fantastic. But then also it was like uh, sitting there for four hours makeup, uh, you know, you have to, uh, you know, it's <laughs> not that easy. It's not that they put a hell on you. They go, and yeah. it grows. Mm -hmm. And it grows, and then I don't look in the mirror, only at the end, but I feel the fingers, and, and I see the colors make up in the hand, and then they touch me, and then at the end I look in the mirror, and I went like, oh! <laughs> Got scared of myself. Well, Udo, we have, let, let's wrap it up, but I'm going to ask some questions from some of the audience members. Um, they submitted these on our Facebook group. Okay. For our horror show, we have a horror show called Horror Movie Night. All right. And the boys there submitted some questions. Yes, like, go ahead. Let me see. Let me find them. Let me find them. Where are we? Um, sorry, Geekscape. And uh, again, the, the movie is called Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich. And uh, it's pretty amazing. 
Uh, Paul, my brother and I watched it. But you know what night. it means. The little little Reich. Reich? Yeah. Well, it's like, Reich is, what does it mean? Translated for me, I won't even Well, in German, the German Reich, it, it, it has to do with Germany. Sure, the Reich, sure. Yeah, the Reich means... Uh, the Third Reich. Yeah, Third Reich. Reich but now and, the little uh, one. You know, yeah. For the puppets. Yeah, for puppets. Uh, um, so, which of the puppets were your favorites? That's a question from our friend Derek. I know they're all your children, but... If you had they're all my children, but I don't see them now in front of me, so I cannot answer that question because I'm a good father. I like them all because they're all betrayed which to ones, be killers. Which one has a picture in your wallet, though? <laughs> None of them. None of them. Um, Unfortunately. <laughs> I like them all because they all fulfill my, the puppet master's wish to go out and kill. Well, um, Matt MacGyver, he lives in Toronto, asked yeah. a question because you have Shadow of the Vampire, Cigarette Burns, uh, the editor. Um, there's some real strange stuff in your filmography. Has there ever led to a real-world strangeness? Have, what's the strangest, bizarre, prophetic, coincidental thing that you've ha experienced in reality that seems like it's just out of a film beyond your birth, <laughs> which seems like a superhero origin story? Well, the, the only thing is was by, of course, I'm not going around the world uh, searching for it, but I saw uh, one very bad accident where a car accident in, in Germany where the, really the head was off and that was like all <laughs> of a sudden, uh, there I was so shocked and then afterwards I saw, well, I have done that myself in a movie, but that was different. A very, very, very bad accident mm -hmm. where two people got killed and the car was upside down. That was the most, uh, most horrible thing came close to me. And sometimes that's the only way to cope with things. I remember I lived in New York after 9-11, like during 9-11, and everybody over and over again just kept saying it was like in a movie. It was like in a movie. Yeah. Because we don't. You know what I saw. We thought? go to shock otherwise. Yeah, you know what I saw when I saw it on the news, and because I got a call from Germany, uh, and they said, "Put on the TV, look at New York," and I put it. I didn't say why, and I put it on, and I saw people running and all that, and I thought, "Wow, that's a big movie." That must be Steven Spielberg or yeah. something. My God, the building's going a plane <coughs> in the building. And then, of course, when they were speaking, then after 30 seconds, I knew that it was reality. Mm. And that was really horrible. Yeah, it's almost like our human minds can't totally, like we need some framework of fiction to distance ourselves from the harshness of yeah. what we're experiencing. Yeah. Um, because it's also when you play characters, evil has no limit mm -hmm. and the fantasy is endless. So you can, and I have fun. You see, there is the difference between actors. If they're really bad, mooded and horrible and they play something horrible, I don't like it. But if people like Christoph Waltz or me have mm. fun with right. what they're doing, then it's, it's different. You yeah. can do something very evil, you say, sorry, I didn't want it to do that. <laughs> it's but, in my nature. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Simon Finn asks, what are your thoughts on this? He's one of the fans here. He asked, what are your thoughts on a Suspiria remake? I think they're remaking I it. Uh, tell him, I haven't seen it, I will not see it because I'm not in it, because I'm never in the copy. I tell you a little story. Okay. When uh, Stephen King liked uh, very much uh, The Kingdom from Last Frontier, where I play a baby and the father of the baby is the devil. I play the devil too, who visit his little baby. And then they called me to be in the movie. For somebody said they moved that movie. And then I called Lars. It was a remake? They yeah. were remake the key. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. They, they, they asked you to be the remake. Yeah. Sure. In the remake. Right. And then I called Lars. And I said, Lars, they're making a remake of the key. And he said, 
Don't tell me you want to play in a remake of my movie. You are in the original. And I said, of course. I just, I just checked. Yeah. <coughs> so, I just check it with you. <laughs> so I didn't do, no. I did not. Because why do people make remakes? Because Van Sant remade that Psycho movie, but he wanted to see it in... He, he yeah, but he did people didn't like, respond to it. No. So that is the thing. If you have the original and it's a classic, why you want sure. to destroy the history? When they made Gloria and then I heard that uh, there was a remake of Gloria mm -hmm. with Sharon Stone, I said, how? I would be scared. It's the same, I would be scared to make a remake of Peter Laurel. I made a remake of M with... Um, uh, Were you doing it, the Peter Laurel character? Yeah, but I said, I don't want to see the old film over and over again right. to do it. I do my own way. Because Peter Laurel is incredible. <coughs> yeah. yeah, but he's also amazing. And of course I had the scene in front of a window, toy store with an electric train. And, and you're doing the whistling? The boy, the boy, I didn't do that. Yeah. The boy is watching the train and I come from the back and I say, do you like electric trains? Yeah, I do. You want me to buy you one? Why would you do that? Because I like children. And so I did this, yeah. but I, I, I not copied one second no, I, Peter Laura. I think that movie was dependent on the advent of sound and film, and that's why that movie had was so revolutionary. And I think you almost you're almost setting yourself up against some really tough competition. They, they did they did a they did a, a remake now where I'm in, in Austria, but I'm not M. Hmm. And the director is the only one who got the rights to call it M. Wow. So it's a TV show, and I play a guy in a fur coat taking pictures and of, on children's ground. And then the, I help the police later when they come to my home because they suspect oh. that I'm the one. And then I show them the picture. So, more question. No, no, that, that, let's start. Only the, three we, questions. But we've gone for an hour. Only three questions. I like hanging out with you. I think you're cool. I think we should go out to Palm Springs and rope some cattle with your cowboy Yeah, life. cattle, cowboy. Uh, what is this, January? I does every month. I'm not sure. We, uh, the offices are, uh, <coughs> I've only been to the offices okay. once. But, um, Take the machine out. <laughs> Goodbye. It, uh, I got tortured for one hour going back from my childhood to my first movie to my learning English. I'm very tired now. <laughs> Sorry. I hope nobody is going to talk to me in the next two hours. Because if somebody talks in the elevator, I might be very nasty. We did a pretty good job of covering <laughs> all the topics, didn't we? Yeah. We covered it. I yeah. the figure. Okay. okay. Thank you so goodbye. much. Goodbye. 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 You're listening to the Geekscape Network.